fellas. I've been waiting here for a while to record the pod. What's going on? I'm I'm in Seattle at the uh, Emerald City Comic Con. Oh, that's super cool. What are you doing there? I don't know. I didn't tell you what I was going to be doing at the Emerald City Comic Con, so you can only guess. If I would have told you, then you would have written it into the script, and I would have said it right now. Yeah, no, that's totally true. Listen, have you heard from Jeff lately? Sure. Hang on. I'll grab him. Hey, fellow bots. I'm actually not a bot. I'm a real live person. Where the heck are you, Jeff? I don't know. I told you I was going to the Emerald City Comic Con, but um, I didn't tell you when or what I was planning to do. If I had told you that, you would have written that into the script and I would have said it right now. Yeah, I mean, that's roughly what Django just said. Yeah, I know, because you wrote it into the script. Okay, yeah. Truth. Listen, fellas. It doesn't look like we're going to be able to record an episode this week, so I was thinking... I recorded a summary of Comics Pro and an outline of what we talked about at Comet earlier today. Do you want to just run that in place of a regular episode? Or you could always clone, you know, Katie and Jess and just do an interview with them about Comet instead. Dude, dude, that is not cool. I don't just go around cloning people's voices without their consent. I asked you guys for permission before I did this. He's got a point, Jeff. It would be highly unethical for him to just make uh, other people's um voices say whatever he wanted them to say yeah that's right buddy gosh that that brian really is a good guy why i've heard that the sportos the motorheads geeks sluts bloods wastoids dweebies dickheads they all adore him they think he's a righteous dude now you're just quoting ferris bueller's day off jeff oh yeah i do that when my script gets caught up in the internet movie database so i guess we'll just go ahead and use my podcast then yeah that sounds um oh sorry jeff you go ahead oh no i was just saying that sounds good to me okay boys let's get this show started coming to you from top secret field offices worldwide these brave men and women fight a battle for truth justice and good clean data These agents of change make up the Bureau of Records, Objects, and Standards. They are the Data Bros. Hey folks, Brian here. Obviously, Django and Jeff couldn't join me this week, even though their incredibly lifelike voices were just heard before the intro. I am going to run the show solo this week. So we decided that we would run a podcast that I did earlier this week for Manage Comics, which is a Comics Pro recap and a little kickoff for the Comet Standard. So without any further ado, let's get started. Let's jump right into our Comics Pro uh, recap. So Comics Pro was last week, February 22nd to 24th, second year in a row in Pittsburgh. Rumor, well, I shouldn't say where it is next year, but rumor has it it's going to be somewhere warmer. Though Pittsburgh was lovely. It was really, really nice. It was like uh, 12 Celsius, which I don't even know what that is in in American, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a lovely, uh, lovely time. Yeah, we met a ton of amazing retailers. Uh, we launched the Comet Standard. It was it was really, really great. Day zero, we had a chance to get in, so that was on the Wednesday. There's an informal brewery tour that's uh, hosted by uh, Todd from uh, New Dimension Comics. It was really, really great. We got to, got to hit like six or seven breweries 
Um, and you know, there's comic shops along the way that you can kind of duck into. So there may or may not have been a couple comic shop duckings. Um, and then there's an opening night reception, which is just a great chance to get to hang out with everyone. On day one, there were a ton of presentations, uh, presentations from Diamond Distillery, First Second, Boom, Rocket Ship Entertainment, Magma, Comic Hub, PRH Distribution, Marvel, Games and Comics for Ukraine, CB4 Kids, Lunar Distribution, DC Comics, Ghost Machine, and The Experience. Uh, just a ton of, of really great presentations. Plus, there were was a vendor hall, so we had, I think, a total of three or four hours in a vendor hall where we were able to set up, like you can see my little uh, managed comics set up there. And we were able to demonstrate managed comics to a bunch of folks uh, real quick, but there was some really cool news that came out of day one. Um, Philip from boom said that boom, that the industry needs new IPs and new franchises. It can't run off of exclusively Batman and Superman. And he said, that boom is at the forefront of that with stuff like berserker and something is killing the children. Uh, he introduced man's best, which I know I had like heard of before, but I hadn't, I don't know why, but it hadn't really grokked for me. And I got to see the, uh, ash can at comics pro and it's amazing. Like, I think this is going to be one of the, the hits of the year. It has kind of, it's reminiscent of we three without being, hyper violent like that um and it looks really really cool i think it'll do really well uh armory wars from coheed and cambria's uh, guitarist who also did like a little con uh, concert on i think it was thursday night and they've got a bunch of new stuff that looks really good boom's always killing it they're always doing really well so it was uh it was great to see them you know showing some of their their up and coming stuff um marvel had a big presence at the show and they talked a lot about blood hunt and they've got this red band version. They were showing off kind of what the gore looks like underneath the red band. It's not for me, but I get that there's folks out there that are interested in it. There's a huge nerd discussion about, is this creating alternate realities where a dude is cut in half in the red band, but he's not cut in half in the regular I think that kind of nerdy stuff is so funny um, and I love it. And Marvel really emphasized that they want to kind of move the price back to $3.99. So they've heard a lot of people complain about the pricing. And so they're trying to trying to kind of hold the line at $3.99. Um, there was a hilarious Reddit comment the other day from somebody that was like, yeah, remember when DC said they were going to hold the line at $2.99 and I just piped in and said yeah that was 13 years ago and the number of people that were like it couldn't have been that long ago really was it really yeah it was 2011 that they announced holding the line at $2.99 so uh, yeah I think $3.99 is probably a fair price um, what I, kind of boggles my mind is always like when two books with the exact same page count and everything will be two dollars different in price and yeah it's but i think they're they're recognizing that this is this is definitely there's price fatigue among consumers so they are recognizing it and uh and doing something about it speaking of doing something about it dc was so excited to announce that wednesday comics were back 
And a bunch of us joked that they should have actually ended that their presentation with that and just dropped the mic and walked off because I've never heard such a massive ovation. And then they announced that they were going to return their FOCs to Mondays as well, which got another round of applause. Uh, Sunday FOCs, in my opinion, are terrible. I hate them because I hate getting support requests on Sundays for stuff that's like, often we can't do anything about it. I can't contact Lunar or Marvel to say, hey, you guys, your data's wrong. Can we get some clarification? Because none of them are around till Monday. So at least on Mondays, we've got some support here. So DC also announced the Absolute Power event, uh, which will start with the FC Free Comic Book Day special in May. Um, it's the big event from Mark Wade. I, I think Dan Moore is on the first issue, but I'm not positive. Um, so yeah, this should be, should be cool. Looking forward to that. Day two had even more presentations. We had Evans Art, Vault Comics, IDW Publishing, Comics Pro, Dynamite, Scholastic, First Comics, Mad Cave. Oh my God, First Comics was so funny. Uh, the dude that, uh, I forget his name. He's one of the OG founders though, but he was so funny. And the lady who now does, I forget her name. It just totally escapes me. She does like kind of the kids, kids line, kept on giving him the, uh, I, you can't really see my neck, but she was giving him the cut, cut, cut sign. So yeah, it was really funny, but his, he was just like unvarnished and kind of hilarious. Um, Mad Cave, Paper Cuts, One Press. I think that should say Oni Press, but I believe that my spell check fixed it for me. Thanks, spell check. PRH Publishing and Rebellion. And then Comics Pro also celebrated their charter members. So stores, all these stores have been around in Comics Pro for 20 plus years, which was pretty cool. Day two also had um, big news from Dynamite. They announced that they had 180,000 copies of Thundercats number one uh, went to press and that number two has orders of 82,000 copies, which is pretty impressive. Managed Comics did our own presentation and then we announced the Comet Standard and I'll go into that a little bit more in a bit. Uh, it's 108 fields created and vetted by 90 plus industry members, distributors, publishers, software vendors, and retailers and more. Uh, it was a really amazing kind of cross, cross uh, industry thing that happened and i'm really really happy about how what happened there but i'm going to go into kind of depth on that in a little bit then on day three uh, so day three was the saturday at that point it felt like you were on the moon because we had been in low gravity orbit for four days um i kept hanging out with west coasters who it turns out they they like go to bed three hours later than me and they just kept keeping me awake until four o'clock in the morning foolish west coasters uh next year i'm going to only hang out with east coasters so keep that in mind folks um the presentations on saturday were from saturday am square enix viz media kadansha usa and yen press um, we also visited with more than 70 more retailers over the three hours that were on day three uh, for roundtables roundtables are the best thing because they're they're 10 minutes long. We get to talk to the like four people usually at a time. Uh, and we just talk about 
I've got a kind of a spiel about managed comics, but I also ask them about their stores. And if there's a managed comics store at the table, usually I don't have to say anything because the, the stores will sell uh, the service on their own. So that's pretty great. They announced the new Comics Pro board, which, which was elected. So Joe Murray is the new president. Um, Jen Haynes is the VP and the outreach director. She was the former president. Itan Manhoff is now the promotions director. Uh, Sienna Fallon, who's a new member to the board, is the education director. Moira Banks is the membership director. Special projects is Katie Pride, and she's going to be really, really spearheading Comet in the next year. And programs and events director is Mark Bowker. Then we went on a comic shop tour. That's Dan from Southside Comics there. Uh, he's a managed comics customer. So we saw Pittsburgh Comics, Southside, and Phantom of the Attic. And there were three totally different comic shops and, and very cool. Um, I think I'm going to have Dan on here at some point. And we'll talk about his shop. He does an amazing job doing online sales as well as offline sales. So his his stuff has to be all synced up really, really well. He's got like... He's got a good size shop in the front and then he's got almost the same size in the back of for shipping and everything. So yeah, it's, it's a very cool uh, operation and he's uh, he's doing a great, great job with it. And then um, Phantom of the Attic is a really cool kind of second floor uh, shop that has a really weird trompe l'oeil kind of thing where you look down and it looks like there's a mirror but it's actually like literally double the space in this one area. And it just, it was a weird space where you like walk in and you're like, Oh, it's not very big. And you turn around a corner and there's like an entire other store and you turn around another corner and there's an entire another store. It was so cool. It was such a great use of space and it was such an interesting space. It was really neat. I, I like that place a lot. Uh, I also found a Starman action figure, which I haven't seen in years and scooped it up. We are now also part of the Comics Pro Advisory Council. Um, so Managed Comics joined the Advisory Council along with 15 other publishers, distributors, point of sale, although I'm trying to convince them to say the word software vendors, uh, and Comics Pro board members, and we'll work with them to address concerns in the industry. Let's take a little break right here to hear from our sponsor, Murphy's Apple Juice. It's not the taste, it's the shape, but it's also the taste. And the taste is pretty dang good. You put it in your mouth and you drink it. Drop an ice cube in there and flick it. It's Murphy, Murphy, Murphy's, Murphy's apple juice. And you want some juice and you want it in your mouth to get an apple and suck that juice right out or go to your local grocery store. Ask for Murphy's and ask for more. Murphy's apple juice. It's the shape, not the taste, but it's also the taste, which is pretty dang good. All right, now that we've got that earworm firmly implanted in everyone's brains, you're welcome. Back to the show. I think I'm going to go Comet next, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Comet standard. Um, <clears throat> what it is, why it's important, 
and what my plans are for the comic standard comet standard he said nefariously Mwahaha. so the first part about it was just kind of the process and collaboration around it i'm actually going to pull up the slide deck if you can just bear with me for 13 seconds we did everything interesting in the notes so um without the notes it's kind of hard for me to there we go yeah now i can makes more sense so last year in february 2023 at the comics pro meeting uh katie pride announced that she and several other retailers and comics professionals had been meeting privately about data concerns for the past year would be putting together a committee of stakeholders across the industry. So we had about 90 different stakeholders involved and those included distributors, publishers, retailers, uh, software developers like me, um, point of sale developers, all those folks. So there were like diamond lunar penguin random house all had people at it. Universal uh, distribution had somebody at it. Um, Marvel DC, the book industry study group had a person there named Brian. There's there's like 17 Brian's involved in this. Um, my comic shop, uh, comic shop assistant, DC Comics, all those folks were involved. Graham Cracker Comics, so big and small retailers as well. Uh, and it was a huge, huge uh, initiative that took us the better part of a year to get through. Um, and we, you know, collaborated, talked and discussed everything. Uh, and the end result of that was the white paper. Uh, the white paper is 19 pages long, but it's got a bunch of supplemental pages, like 108 page, uh, um, data breakdown. We have a Excel file that's attached to it as well. That shows you all the fields and everything. So it ends up being 108 uh, fields that we've identified. And I'll explain a little bit about what those fields are in a couple seconds. Um, this kind of all started because in the old days, uh, Diamond was kind of the default standard for everything. So Diamond in like 97, when the world changed and they became kind of the sole distributor, they developed the... Uh, master data file which was a little bit pre kind of customers needing it um in 2007 they created comic suite and previews world and around that time they adopted the well, 17 digit um upc codes that we're familiar with today so that's that's kind of how data was from 97 until 2020 and then in 2020 we had our distributor breakup uh ucs and lunar started and all three companies were doing things entirely different um ucs and lunar had different formats compared to diamond different formats among themselves they were using different things for series code so lunar ended up starting to use uh dc's family codes as series codes and it turns out Diamond was providing and creating a lot of the data that nobody really knew. So things like issue sequence number, which determines the sequence that a, that a cover comes in. Um, things like, oh, they were creating variant uh, names for different variants. Um, things like series codes. Series codes weren't something that a, a publisher would create. They were something that Diamond would create for them. So kind of 
making all that stuff standardized again, I guess. And, and like creating standards for all that is, is what we've worked on for the last year uh, and a lot more. Um, so yeah, now that there isn't kind of a de facto standard, the distributors are in a weird position where they can't really be cops because the publishers are kind of their customers. So if they say, no, we won't carry this unless you abide by these rules, unless all the distributors are saying the same things and there's probably tricky things with like, you know, competition rules and stuff like that. But unless they're all saying the same stuff, the publishers can kind of get away with whatever they want. So having the publishers commit to this as well as the distributors and the retailers is a huge thing. So because um, better data means that we can sell more stuff. So that takes us kind of to today where we've got you know, three different files that come in three vastly different formats and that we have to ingest into one kind of thing and reformat on our own. And one of the things I don't particularly like about doing that is that I, Brian Garside, am making editorial dis decisions and distinctions on files and information that I don't feel I should be. Um, I will happily because it has to get done, but I don't think I should be creating storylines, for example. I think that storylines should be something that the distributors should create for us because I could add stuff to a storyline that might not be there. And likewise, I could drop stuff out of a storyline that, that shouldn't be there. Um, so we want to kind of get more and more of this information to or from, I should say, the actual distributor. So that's that's where some of that comes from. In 2022, when Penguin Random House came on board, we realized that there was a better, not necessarily better, but there was a more formal way of doing this. Um, Penguin Random House came in with a lot of really great predefined fields that we hadn't seen before. And so we started kind of revisiting the whole thing. Uh, with multiple data sources, having different data shared about the same individual item. Um, we also started noticing that the data was drifting between different distributors. So Penguin Ra Random House might have really, really good data on one thing, but Diamond had better data on another thing. And we get into this weird thing where we have to overwrite data based on who has kind of the most current data and it's not always right. So we need a way to get the same data from everyone all the time. That sounds really exciting, doesn't it? But it is. And here's why I talked a little bit about this. Um, there's three different types of costs for bad data. There's increased labor costs, there's loss of sales, and there's improper retail ordering. <clears throat> so let's talk first of all about retail or increased labor costs. Um, we track our time within Managed Comics. So I know how much time I'm spending on any given task and I know how much my people are spending. So I ran a quick report that said over a 12 month period uh, from 2022 to 2023, how much time were we spending cleaning up data? And the result I got was an hourly number. I multiplied that hourly number by how much I'm paying people. 
and it cost us $76,000. So in the room, I had everyone who deals with data hold up their hand, right? And there was, I would say half of the audience held up their hands. So I conservatively, I'd say there was 80 people. Now, if it's costing me that much money, and remember, I have a fairly sophisticated system that does a bunch of pre-checks on things, but let's just say that it costs 76,000 for me. We multiply that by, let's say 50 stores. That is $3.8 million that's costing the industry in labor costs, um, which honestly, that should be fixed right at the root. Like that, that should not even be happening. We might spend, you know, five hours finicking around with things to make it fit a way that we want it to fit. Like, let's say that we want, I don't know, TPB to always read trade paperback, something silly like that. But that shouldn't be costing us $76,000 a year. Loss of sales is another thing. Um, bad data causes a loss of sales, either through customers not getting enough information, through the retailers not having the information to make an informed decision, um, and various other things that result in the sale itself uh, being lost. Improper retail ordering. So mismatch codes can cause retailers to under or over order on individual items. Uh, for example, the same number of an oversized $50 hardcover as they would for the regular issue, which we've actually seen and helped retailers, you know, resolve. Um, there's all kinds of stuff like that. So there's definitely costs to these uh, bad data. Uh, so this is where the Comet standard comes in. And the Comet standard is a way to help ensure information given to software vendors and shops is clean, consistent, true, and portable. It's a living document, the Comet standard itself, so it can flex with the future changes in the industry. And it's all based on something called atomic data. So atomic data is the smallest piece of information we can get. Um, if we break down the title, it would be like Batman number 147 dash, um, what's it? Joker year one um, bracket B cover Capullo version variant, right? Um, every one of those things is a discrete thing. So Batman is one thing. Number 147, B cover, Capullo variant, like all those things should be discrete so that we can reassemble it however we want to. Um, so that leads to the key types of data and their owners. We've identified three different pieces of data. There's essential and core data, which are the responsibility of the publisher. Essential is the bare data that we need um that that we need in order to get a product created so it's literally title upc code and price without any one of those things we can't really create a product in the system <clears throat> the upc or isbn is the primary identifier that we use all along i'm gonna interject for one second coliseum says i'm working on something else do you mention a time st standard 
So you're soaking in it right now. Um, we've already started implementing it. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, different places are are really pushing it. Year one was identifying it. Year two is going to be implementing it. Um, our goal is that by the end of 2025, everybody will have adopted it. But my aggressive goal is to start using it as soon as possible. Uh, and I'm going to go over a couple ways that we're going to use it um, at the end of this part. Um, so essential data, core data is everything that a publisher would use to describe a product. So it's everything that's um, everything like uh, series title, um, series code. Uh, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think. Variant name, um, storyline, storyline sequence. Like where does this fit in a storyline? All that kind of stuff as well. And extended data is the data managed by the distributor and it's essentially how you order a thing and what the qualifiers and discount codes and everything are so we we made a big play about upcs and ispn um they're unique don't reuse them we see this all the time especially like smaller publishers like keenspot will reuse something that they've canceled and because that's already in our system then it gets stomped over and you can't it's a long story it's terrible though it's terrible practice please don't do it um we talked about categorization and using BISACs. So that's the book industry study group um, stuff that is already be, being used by the comics industry for the book trade. Uh, it just gives us a lot more. Like with comics right now, there are 12 overall categories. And I want to say like, I want to say 22 genres i don't even think it's that many i think it's like 14 genres so that gives us like a total of 24 things you can categorize by with bisacs comics alone have i think a hundred and something so it really lets you narrow things down and you can have up to three bisacs per title <clears throat> which means you can have um you know war comic and then you can drill down and say that it's a uh 1970s war comic and then you can drill down a little bit more and say that it's a 1970s fantasy war war comic if you want to describe um ghost tank let's say right uh so yeah it gives us more granularity i guess and more granularity really really matters on the internet because when you have things like faceted search which sometime i'll i'll show you kind of how to enable that kind of stuff it lets you really narrow things down so yeah, this is super big. Uh, BISAC and the book industry study group have committed to um, really putting some time into uh, to comics. So that's awesome. And then we said, by the way, UPCs are, <laughs> are unique. Because um, we really, really need this to get through to people. Please don't reuse UPCs. Uh, so I built a little website, which you can find today at cometstandard.com. Um, over the next coming weeks and months, this website is going to get way more uh, in-depth. We're going to put all 108 uh, metadata items on the website in a knowledge base so that you can search for them. And if you want to know like what is the proper formatting of a creator code, uh, we'll have that information there. So all that stuff will be there. Uh, right now, it's all there. A little bit unstructured so uh, a couple things are in pdfs that i don't want to be in pdfs in the long term but 
uh, I built it in a day. So, hey, hey, and it's an awesome site. It's fast. It's searchable. It is all the things that I do with all the websites that I build. Um, you know, your websites that are on Shopify get found online because the same SEO principles that we use to create all the managed comics items are in place on your on your website. And that's why when you have Ultimate Spider-Man number two on your website, it is one of the first sites that comes up for um, Ultimate Spider-Man 2 in your area. So that's the same with how we've built this site. It's all searchable and uh, all that good stuff is happening as well. We also created a little something called the Comet Code, which is a code that we are asking distributors, publishers, retailers, and software developers to sign that just says that you support this. Uh, and, and that's going to let us get logos on the website. We want to have logos on the website, but we want to have you know permission to use those logos. So you're going to see more and more of those logos over time. In terms of the next steps, distributors are working first to con convert their current files to the new format structure by the end of 2024. Um, we will have full adoption in the next month or so within managed comics and what we're going to do is basically restructure our database so that it uses um uh comet and we will just format any files that come in into the comet standard anything that's missing we'll just leave null for now but like the existing file uh structures all all are in comment we've just added a bunch of stuff and kind of tweak some stuff as well publishers are going to redouble their attention to providing correct correct and complete data as described in the standard point of sale system software providers will uh, work to code ingestion pipelines for the new format structure by the end of 2024 um, we will be ready way before that and i'm going to talk about a big project that we're going to do which will help with this Publishers and distributors will then work together to supply additional comment standard data fields that are not currently be supplied. So over the next year, we're going to identify stuff that we need to add, and we're going to build that stuff as well. And if you're interested in this, if you're a nerd and you want to get involved, you can. You just go to commentstandard.com slash contact, fill out the form, and get involved. And yeah, that's kind of it. And we talked a little bit about our Data Bros podcast, where we're going to talk with Katie and uh, Jess from who are the other two members of the um, the Comet Standard. So yeah, that's pretty exciting. I'm going to take a moment here to thank everyone for joining us. Everything is going to be back to normal next week. You'll have all three of us live and not as robots, allegedly. And if all goes according to plan, we're going to talk to some folks who were integral to the comet standard. In the meantime, keep watching the skies. There might be a comet coming your way. The Data Bros is a joint project from the teams behind Comic Shop Assistant and Manage Comics. Data Bros are Django Boren, Jeff Figley, and Brian Garside. Brian Garside produces and edits the episode. And you'll find more about the Data Bros online at databrosinc.com. Subscribe, like, and review the Data Bros on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.